thanks be to God, and if you are so moved, would you please pray with me? God of mustard and yeast, God of hidden magic, of wonder, of might, of strange things, of small powers, we ask that you would be with us today in all of what we experience, in all that causes us pain, in all that brings us joy, in all that we have been, in all that we will be, God. Help us to know you. Help us to know you through one another, through community, through love, through life, through laughter. And if we should be divided, God, from ourselves, from you, from one another, if we should experience harm or pain or cause it, help us to know that there is always more to the story. That if it doesn't feel joyous, the story isn't over yet. And you are still doing mighty and good things in the world and in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe a while since you've seen one of this, one of these, depending on how you bank. But here is an incredibly crisp, brand new, shiny, wonderful dollar bill. Um, I got this dollar bill from Pastor Chan, our Edgewater and South Loop site pastor. Uh, when we, as the pastors, were gathered this week to figure out some logistical shenanigans, um, but also when we get together, we do a devotion. And Pastor Chan knew that we were going to read this scripture this week. And so he gave to each one of us a dollar bill that looks just like this, which because I am a messy and clumsy person, none of my dollar bills have ever looked just like this. So I've been keeping it in a book to keep it just as nice as when it was given to me. Um, and he said, if you had one dollar to build the kingdom, right? So the kingdom being what Jesus promises, the vision of a world where justice is real, where mercy is the order of the day, where we love one another and where systems do not have power over, but where people live together in right relationship. If you had one dollar to build the kingdom, how would you use it? And so I want you to take a minute, think to yourself, close your eyes if you need to. If you had one dollar to build the kingdom, how would you use it? What would you do if you had this shiny, crisp dollar? Okay. No, well, so you're, you're one step ahead of me, Molly. You got me. All right, so what are some of the things? What are some of the ways you would use this dollar? Yeah. Yeah, give it to somebody, right? Just straight up, not tell them what to do with it. Just give it to somebody, not buy something. Who might you give it to? Could be, absolutely. What's another way you might spend the dollar or use the dollar? Yeah. Books for your classroom, right? So you can picture these kids, right, who need a book. And so you'd need to combine that dollar with other people's dollars to make that happen. But books, absolutely. What are some other things you might want to use that dollar for? Yeah. And how would the kingdom arise in you like bubbles, Madrid? <laughs> 
That's right. If you're not in the kingdom, it's not the kingdom. If you're not joyful in the kingdom, it's not the kingdom. <laughs> what you need to do to nourish yourself is actually critically important. I tell people a lot, um, love your neighbor as yourself. If your standards for love of self are low, right, you're not meeting it. You've got to love yourself as well as loving your neighbor, right? Give a gift. What are some of the other ways you might use this dollar? You're just going to go right for the parable, right? Let's get a seed. I love it. Yeah, why go a different direction? Oh, I love that. You, you just gave a new, like, mitzvah for everybody to adopt. We're all going to be the quarter people. <laughs> you don't get a ticket. Yes, that, I mean, many, did you recently get a ticket or anything? Is that on your mind or you're just, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? The things that we wish we would get, we want to offer to others. I love that. I love that. All right. Any other thoughts? Yes. Yeah. Posting bail, right? This is um, one of the most, I shared this last week, but one of the most vivid depictions of the kingdom I have seen this month is Oklahoma um, just set a policy where retroactively anyone who had been put in jail on drug charges, which we are now recognizing are not a helpful thing to put people in jail for, if anything is, which probably nothing is. And so all of a sudden, all at once, almost 600 people were released from jail on one day. The pictures I saw of people being released from imprisonment, that's what the kingdom looks like, right? Sprinkles of kingdom all around. One of the first things that Jesus says when he appears before the people is that what his reign will mean is the breaking of chains of the oppressed, the liberation of those who are in prison, a dollar for bail. Another, my favorite way um, to spend money on charity when I was uh, younger, because I didn't have a lot of money, right, in college, but I wanted to give, um, was there was something called Rolling Jubilee, where you could buy people's medical debt. Because often when medical debt or student debt or other forms of debt have been sold to person to person to person, it becomes very cheap, pennies on the dollar, right? You can erase hundreds of dollars of debt by just giving a dollar. And so anytime I had an extra dollar fifty, dollar seventy-five, I'd go to Rolling Jubilee and I could put it in and I could feel like I had made a difference. Has anybody ever heard of Appalition? Appalition? So Appalachian was started by a friend of my brother's here in Chicago, a Chicago innovator and inventor. It's an app um, where it will, if you connect it to your bank account, take any, it will round up the extra penny on your transactions, add it all up, and put it towards bail bonds wherever you live. Appalachian, freeing people. Any other last ways to use that dollar? These are all so beautiful. The one that occurred to me because of how I spend my life with you guys is um, buying somebody a coffee, right? Like investing in relationship and getting to know someone better and hearing about what had happened to them recently and spending that time. Um, a warm cup for me is one of the best ways that I relate to people. All of these ways, like all of this enormous creativity, right? All of the ways to spend this dollar. Look at who you are. <laughs> Look at what God is already doing. Look at the power we have. The enormous thing for me about doing this exercise is maybe y'all are more hopeful than I am, but for me, most often when I look about a dollar, look at a dollar, or when I think of a dollar, when I look at one in my bank account, um, what I mostly think about is how much it's not, right? I mostly, when I look at a dollar, think 
how many more dollars will I need to add to that to make my rent, right? <laughs> how many additional dollars would I need to have in my wallet to buy that food or toy or book or whatever that I've been waiting for? When I look at a dollar, most of the time, I think about how little it is and how it's not all of the things that I wish it could be and how I wish that there were more dollars wherever that one dollar was. But after I did this exercise, I started to think, about every dollar that passed through my hands or my mind or my heart or my little digital tracker <laughs> differently. A dollar all of a sudden felt powerful. It felt hopeful. It felt full of promise. A dollar can do stuff, right? <laughs> a dollar has God's mission if only I think about that dollar that way. If only I think about all of my resources that way, not as how much they could be if they were different but how much they are in what they are. A lot of us think about our internal resources this way, right? We think about all of the things that we're bad at, all of the things that we can't do, all of the things that we haven't done yet. It's easier for us to see the places of failure and hurt than it is for us to see our enormous gifts and love and joy and success. You remember a piece of criticism for decades, you forget the compliment you got five minutes later, right? And so thinking about the power of what we have, the power of what is available, the abundance that God has put into the world, and the creativity with which we can use that abundance to live kingdom is part of what I think this parable of the mustard seeds and the yeast is about. It's about a bunch of things at once, um, but this is one of them, right? Is that now every time you have a seed in your hand, every time you're folding the yeast into the dough, Think about how much that is that you weren't aware of before. Think about how abundant life is. I don't know if you've ever held yeast in your hands, but it just looks like dust. It looks like dust, and it's life, active, right there. Almost every translation says um, that the yeast gets mixed into the dough, which is true, right? Part of what's beautiful about the kingdom is that it's a part of all of us. There's no person that is absent God's creativity and love and wondrousness. There's no human community. There's no place that is absent the yeast of God's living activity. But a, a more accurate word to the original would be hidden. That's something Jesus talks a lot is about how the, the signs of the kingdom are hard to see. Once the yeast gets in the bread, you can't see it anymore. <laughs> in the baked loaf, it's hard to figure out where the yeast ended up, and yet it is there, bringing life and lift, abundance and air to all of our human life and activity. There is so much more in what there is than we train ourselves to imagine and to see. The other thing about this parable is that Jesus is talking about how inevitable the kingdom is, even when it might seem different. I love mustard. You might love mustard. And so to me, a mustard seed seems like a pretty valuable thing to have, right? Like if a mustard plant can make mustard for my sandwiches, great. Love it. Um, but something that would have been true for Jesus' hearers is that mustard wasn't primarily like a tasty spice. It was an annoying weed <laughs> if you were a farmer. Mustard grew everywhere. It would take over everything. It was annoying. It was an invasive species that could take over anywhere it got. Uh, one of the modern interpreters says, basically, if, if, you, if you live in modern the United States, um, particularly in the South, it's like kudzu, right? It's, it's like just something that's annoying and that takes over everywhere it goes. 
the first thing they thought of wouldn't have been all that the mustard can do, but all that the mustard can crowd out. All that the mustard can crowd out. And yet Jesus says, this is what the kingdom is like. This is what the kingdom is like. Not just that big things come out of little things, but that the kingdom is inevitable and it's already here. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop my love and my justice from being a part of what this world is. Humans have freedom. The world is full of brokenness, right? The whole thing isn't my kingdom, but never is any part of the human experience absent the love and the joy and the creativity and the gifts of God. Never. And this is good news to me, and I think to many, because most of us have some area of our life or our experience where it is really, really, really hard to see where hope might live. It's probably different for each one of us. For some of us, something that I hear a lot from folks is something big like climate change, right? That you think about where the world is going, what's happening um, to the, the literal earth we stand on, and it feels hopeless. It feels like there are no mustard seeds of growth there. We can't see the yeast of what being alive and flourishing will look like in the decades to come. For other people, it's something much more personal and intimate. It's hard to see hope about your work situation, right? You've either been jobless for a long time or your job is a place of frustration and pain and effort. Or it's hard to see hope personally. Your relationship... Um, isn't going the way that you thought it would, or you've been dating for forever and it's getting frustrating, or you want friendship in your life and it's hard to make new friends and you feel alone. For each one of us, it's different, but I, I think most of us can find either a time in our life or a place in our life where hopelessness has felt like the logical conclusion, right? Where mustard seeds have felt absent, where yeast has felt um, dead, where it just is hard to imagine that there might be life in that part of our experience, in that part of the world, in that part of creation ever again. And yet Jesus' promise is not just the kingdom will one day come, it's that it's already here. It's that the mustard is already growing. <laughs> the bread dough is already mixed. There are glimpses, though hidden, of this promise of mercy, of justice, of hope, of love, everywhere you look. It's in the 600 people released, right? It's in the people with whom you do connect. Um, Adrienne Marie Brown, the writer of Emergent Strategy and Practical Activism, is kind of one of my spiritual teachers from afar right now. I just think everything she writes is, is beautiful and extraordinary and helps me. And one of the things she does is she really rejects the idea that living in the world with integrity and your values is about working really hard all the time to change things. And she says, whenever I feel hopeless, whenever I feel overextended, I focus on whatever is the closest to me, whatever I can connect with, wherever I can be present. And that always nourishes me and shows me some new possibility that I didn't know before. She focuses in and tries to find the mustard seeds and the yeast where they live. And they're always there. They just can be hard to see. For me, one of the places of difficulty, challenge, hopelessness <laughs> has been the state of 
the church universal, right? The billions of people, all of us who call ourselves Christian, um, on a lot of different things, <laughs> but particularly when it comes to uh, LGBTQ people and God's making of LGBTQ people. I, I have felt hopeless running against a wall of people who I love and who I think have the capacity to be kind and who simply will not hear the harm and the pain that they are causing in churches with policies or with ideas that reject people and exclude them and tell them that they can't get married, can't be, can't leave. And I have felt at times hopeless that the thing is ever going to change, <laughs> even though I know in my mind and in my heart that we have changed so many times before, <laughs> that humanity has shown an endless capacity to learn. But I have felt hopeless. And then, and then in my hopelessness, in my sense of destruction, my sense that institutions can only be bad, human organizations can only cause harm, I come here and I see all of you. <laughs> I see people who are living a new way of knowing Jesus without waiting or asking for permission from anyone. I look at our candidates for ministry, many of whom are LGBTQ, many of whom have theology that many churches say that they will reject, but they say, I want to be a part of you anyway. I'm not listening. <laughs> I'm not taking your no because God has said yes. I'm not taking your hopelessness because God has given me hope. And I stood in a room and I watched 14 people from Urban Village declare and be affirmed that they had been called to ministry in the United Methodist Church, which says that they are not fit for ministry. And they still said, but here I will make my ministry known. But here I will lead the next generation of the Jesus movement. But here I will introduce people to who God can be and how much hope there can be, how much joy there can be, and how much love there can be, because your no will not be heard here. <laughs> your hopelessness will not be heard here. I am a mustard seed, and I am inevitable. I am yeast, and you can do nothing about me. I am already hidden in the dough. I am already a part of the church of Christ, and there is nothing that anyone can do about it because God has said yes to me, to my marriage, to my call, to my life, to my love, to who I am. And the reality is that God has said yes to every one of you. God has said yes to communities of faith and justice and power. God has said yes to a different way of doing things. God has said yes to love. And so whatever area of your life that feels hopeless or absent or barren right now, whichever one it is, I don't care. Whichever part it is that feels like it's never going to change, whatever part it is that feels like it's just hard to touch, like it's tender always, God has said yes. The kingdom not just will come, but has come. It is present now. There are seeds and yeast and hope and love, and I know that they are hidden, but they are here, and I promise you, and I love you, and you just have to find them. Thank God that this is what we are promised, and let us find them together. Amen. Amen. We're going to be finding all of those seeds, finding all of that yeast in communion, in time together. But first, we have a little bit of an offering activity. So I'm going to switch out our bread quickly while um, we get ready and put some slides up where I'm going to be playing a little game with you. So get ready. This is Price is Right. 
but for uh, giving financially to the church. <laughs> so um, for those of you who don't know, this is the month where we talk about giving money to the church. If this is your first time here, if you come back, we will not be doing this every single Sunday. I <laughs> just want you to know that. But we do have to do it some Sundays because there is no form of humans being together, loving together, and making change that doesn't require both internal and external resources. And so we have to be realistic about those resources and about how we put them together to make something new and to make something extraordinary. Um, and we choose the month of November for a pretty... Uh, practical reason, which is that we're trying to put together our budget for 2020. And so the way that we do that is we ask all of you to pledge what you think you will give over the course of the year in 2020. So what a pledge is, is like a promise, right? It's saying, I commit to giving this much over the year 2020. And if you lose your job, you can change it, right? Like the, uh, life happens. Um, there's not a, a quiz master, right, who's going to like punish you if you turn out to be wrong, but a pledge is a commitment that we ask you to fulfill about what you believe you will give in 2020. And hundreds of people all across this church, all across our site, fill out those pledge cards, and then we add them together, and we say, this is how much we think we're going to have in 2020, and then we decide our entire budget, who our staff is going to be, what programs we're going to support, what we're going to do based on that, because money doesn't come from anywhere except us, except here. So I just want you to know that, that that's how it works. Um, I grew up non-religious, and I went to church for literally years before I understood how that worked. Um, I thought that there was sort of like a national federation of funding churches somewhere that like had some magical form of invisible money. I, I don't know how I thought it worked, but I didn't know how it worked. So I like to just tell you that's how it works. And then I also wanted to show you something, um, which is one of the things I hear from people is that they think that they can't give enough to make a difference. And everything makes a difference. Everything makes a difference. Every dollar matters to us at Urban Village, and we use every dollar to do mission and ministry. And so I wanted to show you a little bit where different people are in our church in their giving so that you can see that there is a place for everyone, for you, and so that you might challenge yourself to take a step up this year if you have been giving in the past. And so first, I just want to show you, bring this out, um, how many people we have at each level. So we have across all four sites at Urban Village on a given Sunday, we have somewhere between 300 and 350 people worshiping. Modern worship attendance is not every single Sunday, but like two to three times a month. So if we add in all of the different Sundays, we're probably re in, re in close relationship with four to 500 people at any given time. Of those, who the number who give, who don't give, right? Who haven't pledged at all is pretty high because some people are new, some people don't know how pledging works, some people are nervous, right? So the number of people who don't pledge currently is 220. And that's like families too, right? So anytime we talk about these numbers, we're talking about both like a giving unit, a person or a family. So 220 people don't pledge. How about people who give somewhere between one cent and 4.99 per week? So that can be anything from a uh, dollar a year to $260 a year, which makes a really big difference to our community. Stepping from zero to somewhere between one cent and a dollar a week, that's all of our candles for a year so that people might pray, right? That's less than $260. Or it's um, some of our web hosting so that we can communicate with all of you in between the week and let you know what's going on. How many people do you think are, well, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one so you know what the range is, right? So that we're not like 512 or like one. Okay. 
So who is between one cent and 4.99? 31. That's 31 givers. And not only does each one of them make a difference with their one cent to one dollar a week or to five dollars a week, all of them combined, now we're talking really serious ability to, to support ministry. Um, all right, so who gives between five and 9.99 a week? How many people do we think give between five dollars and ten dollars per week? Anybody want to guess? Fifteen is our guess. Nine is a guess. Okay, what is it? Twenty. Okay, twenty people or families give somewhere between five and ten dollars a week. All right, between ten and twenty. Ten and twenty dollars a week. Anna's just going to guess 15 until one of them is 15, and that strategy will pay off. I love it. Okay. How many people do we think? Three? 30? 12? Okay, let's put it up there. 35. So this is, right, a lot of our folks may not be wealthy, but can commit somewhere between 10 and $20 a week. I will make a significant difference in the life of this congregation. I will make that happen. I will sacrifice something else to do it. All right, between 20 and $30 a week. 37. Another, these are, this is a big part of where our congregation is, right? This is what they have the capacity for, and they push themselves. All right, between 30 and $40 a week, how many people do you think? 15? Oh, you're stealing Anna's strategy now. <laughs> Maybe Anna will price. Wait, would prices writing him be going to 14 or be going to 16? Because they can't go over? Okay, so it'll be going to 14. Okay, all right, what is it? 17. Oh, so close. Okay. All right, between 40 and 50, what do you think? 40 and $50 a week. All right, let's see it. All right, and between 60 and 74, we're jumping to bigger categories now. How many people do we think it is? Let's put it up. 22. Okay, so 22 people give between 50 and $74 a week. How about between 75 and $100 a week? Seventy-five and hundred dollars. Thirteen. All right, between a hundred and a hundred and fifty a week. Fourteen. All right, between a hundred and fifty and two hundred dollars a week. How many people fall in that category? Six. Oh, nice job, Red. You got it. All right, now let's guess how many people give two hundred dollars and up per week. <laughs> Huge jump. It's our biggest category. All right, how many people? Seventeen. So what I want to say to you is we're all in different places, but every single one of these people matters. <laughs> Without every single one of these people, we aren't the church. It's about giving in your capacity, in your particular life. There is no level that is more or less valuable than others. It's about looking at yourself and praying and saying, what can I contribute? How can I make these things happen? And that can be found at every level. And the other thing that I want to say to you is, um, if you haven't thought about this before, I have jumped several steps on here during the time that I have been a giver to church. When I first started giving to church, I was both a student and didn't understand how giving worked and like in general couldn't keep track of my life and was a general wreck. Um, and I gave, I think probably like $120 over the course of the whole year, that first year that I gave. And part of me wanted to think that that didn't matter, but it did, it really mattered. <laughs> it integrated into me into the community. I felt more committed. I, I felt my relationship to money and my relationship to God change like a little bit. Um, and it really mattered to my church that I made that commitment. And the next year I gave a little bit more. I stepped up one step. And I have stepped up one step each year 
And so now I do something that I never, ever thought I could do, which is that our family tithes, right, on my income. Um, and it has, there have been years when I have noticed that step more than others, but there has never, ever been a year where I regretted taking it. <laughs> because what I give to the church um, adds up with what everybody else gives to the church, and it becomes so much more than it would have been alone in my pocket. It becomes a part of a community of resources that changes lives and changes families. And so I would encourage you, as you're praying about it, as you're thinking about it, can you give this year? The biggest step you'll ever take is going from I don't pledge to I do at whatever level. And can you take a step up? Is that something that you are capable of this year? Either way, I hope that you will pledge so that we know what next year looks like. I thank you for your patience and grace in having the conversation at all. I know for some people it makes you feel squicky inside, and it's important. And if you have any questions at all, just ask me. Some baskets are about to come around where you can put in a pledge card or you can put in your tear-off so we get to know you. That's the most important thing you could ever give apart from any dollar or any pledge card is like you and yourself.